We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So we're dealing with a Christ-conscious believer, and then we now got to part number number 14, which is what we've been on for the past few weeks. The Christ-conscious believer spends and is spent for the kingdom. The Christ-conscious believer gives, gives, and gives again. And then we've we've been on that for a while, right? Every believer is called to give. And then we now explain to you that if if you have seen that from scripture, then your default response to a, a need is to give. Your default response is to say, yes, count me in. And not make a pledge and run away. Because your own hypocrisy of a, is, of, is of a colossal level. On, you, you can actually kill a human being. If you can be in church, make a pledge to give and not honor it. You are a fully qualified murderer. Because it means you have no regard for God. No regard for his spirit. No honor for the church. Unpacking the honor code, remember? No honor for church leaders and no conscience to bring you into awareness of your error. Because he has to take a conscience of the conscience of the person to die for that person to kill somebody else. Giving is the calling of every believer. You don't think about it. You give until he says don't. And when he says don't, he says don't for a specific reason. Even when I didn't understand the gospel as fully as I understand it now. I'll go to a place and they are taking communion and the Lord will say to me, don't try it. And I'll sit down on my chair. Till today I do it. Go out in an event. You know how you feel like, ha, if you don't partake in the communion, you feel like you're, you're, the, you're the one that is sponsoring hell. And I'll, I'll sit down and pass your communion. Mighty. You go to a place and you, and you want to give. And the Holy Spirit will tell you clearly, don't put your money there. Clearly. And you can sense the atmosphere at work in such a place. You can tell. And you tell you, don't, don't, don't do it. But outside this scenario, the default state of a believer is to give, especially in the household of faith. They are being planted in. Do you understand? Nobody needs a special leading of God to give in the place he has planted you. To give in the place that you are being fed the word. So in the, in the house that you are being planted, your default response is to give. Default. You don't need a special leading. If you're not, you cannot be in a house you were led to and not be led to give. Think about it. You were led to join the house, but you are not led to give in the house. Eh? You were led to receive the word from the house, but you are not led 
to give material things to the house. Wow. You are amazing. But for us, we have not so learned Christ. We haven't. Because for us, we have understood that it's ministry. No, it's okay. I know I'm not teaching everybody. I know. But then I know that those that I'm teaching are, are listening. And those that are listening will obey and do until they understand. You see, because there's something about obedience. By the time you are, you are running with what you have believed and you start to come into understanding, most times your makarios is already lining up with your understanding. The benefits for your obedience are literally lining up at about the time when it's beginning to make sense. But if you withhold yourself from it and you're trying to make sense of something, by the time you get to making sense of it, you have to backtrack again until you get to enter the benefit. Suit yourself. Suit yourself. And again, I'm not telling you what is strange. It's just that you have read your Bible, you didn't see it in this light. Cast your net on the other side. Who is this one? What does he mean? I'm a professional fisherman. You show up in the morning. When we go out to fish at night, when the waters are quiet and the fish come out of their habitats to, to pet, that's when we fish. And in the morning, I'm washing my net. I've done this for years. And then you tell me, can you hear how stupid it sounds? Cast your net on the other side. Peter will be like, what's, which side of our boat have we not casted net all night? Do you think I would have gone out all night and it was only on one side that I was casting my net? Please, we're talking about Peter. Yeah, what about any house? Show you people know Peter. Peter, manifesting from day one. His Peter side. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> you know, his Peter side. From day one. So we have told all night. He's not coming in the morning. But then he went, what do I stand to lose? And he says, nevertheless, my word, for you to come in the morning and say I should cast my net on the other side. Okay. Andrew. And, and it was at that point, they believed, they saw when he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of... They had no issues leaving fish to follow somebody who had confounded them and told them, and you know, you will catch men. So they left fishing fish to follow him who could make them catch men. And that's the whole thing. Everything I said last week, and some of you looked at me funny, when I said every move of God is hinged to an act of obedience. John chapter 2, the wedding in Cana in Galilee. Same, same narrative. Just do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says, do it. So somebody's trying to understand why should I give? Somebody else is thinking, why should I not give? And then they line up and are enjoying the benefits of giving. And somebody else is trying to make sense of it. Somebody's trying to make sense of it. And, and you look and people are progressing. People are enjoying the benefit of walking in a principle while others are trying to understand it or justify it. The word of God is not first for understanding, it's for believing. 
So we are ministers because we are givers. We are givers because we are ministers. What about in house? Hear, hear, hear. Hear. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. There are certain things that will not come. Don't answer to hard work. So, giving is ministry. Giving also, now that we understand that is ministry. We understand, Pastor Annie, we see you online. Thanks for coming online. Also, and we have dealt with this already in the earlier parts of this, this part of the teachings. Giving is not an investment for which you expect return. That's one of the lies that have consumed the church in this age. You want to get something from God? Give. We see, unfortunately, in the, we are in, a, an, you are in a part of the country where we have popularized things like assignment. And it's become the norm. It's become what everybody does to get something. Giving is not investment. God didn't give you anything because you gave anything. You were dead. Dead people are dead. So there's nothing you could have done that could have qualified to be anything because you were dead in trespasses. And then he died. He commended his love in this manner. For this is how God loved the world. He didn't take anything from you. So he will never take anything from you to do for you what he could do for you. He won't. And that's why people like that, that they avoid debates over these issues. You just stay in your own pulpit and be shouting to the people that believe you. <laughs> but you can't come from scripture and hold an argument and show how consistent this is with New Testament practice. Because everything, look at, look at Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him, with his own son also how? How many things is he giving you? Along with Jesus for what price? Freely. It's not so difficult, you see. Give us the TPT and then the message. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift, go on, of his son. And since God offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly wouldn't withhold from us anything else he has to give. The message. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? So if God is giving, he is giving freely. If it's not free, it's not a gift. Come on, think about it. It's not a gift. It's not a gift. Somebody sent me something by a courier recently and um, the, the courier just couldn't get their act together and went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and eventually was here. So I told Esther, go there to the office and collect it. 
And she got there and, and they said, we had to pay something for it. You know? And I said, call the sender. Not because I can't pay. Do you understand? It's not because I can't pay. But if this person is sending something to me as a gift, and the person has paid for it to be delivered to me, then I have no business paying to receive it. That's what I called. So she's like, oh, me just pay for it already and take it. I said, yes, but it is important that the seller knows. The sender, rather, knows. Because if it's a gift, it's paid for. Make sense? It's paid for. Oh, I sent you a gift. But um, when it get, ar- arrives in Lagos, you have to pay for clearing, pay for forwarding, pay, pay for shipping. Pay. It's not a gift. At best, a partial gift. At best. A gift is a gift because it costs you nothing. Literally. It costs you nothing. It's, it's, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. God gave you Jesus for free. And Jesus, again, is the best God can do. You've seen that from scripture. God cannot do better than Jesus. God can never, ever, 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 ever in eternity to come, ever be able to better his gift of Jesus. Do you hear what I just said? God does not have what it takes to give a better, greater, more valuable gift than Jesus. Jesus was not just God's all. He's God's best. Like God literally outdid himself. Do you understand? When he gave Jesus. Because Jesus is the sum total of the worth of God. You, you understand? If you want to calculate how much God is worth, no, don't say you don't know. We know. The sum total of the worth of God is Jesus. Do you understand? The gross of God equals Christ Jesus. Remove Christ Jesus. First of all, there's no God. How much more for him to be worth anything? Do you understand? If there could be humanity outside God and Christ, then that human being would be more God than God without Christ. He's the sum total of God. So God gave, that's why God gave God. That's why it's the blood of God. Do you understand? That's why it's the blood of God that purchased you for your sins. He gave everything. And how did he give everything? Freely. At no cost. So the God that asks for a seed from you. To give you fruit of the womb. Is a lie. And it does not matter which bishop or reverend it came from. The God that asks you to give like where you are going. (laughs) Is the God that needs to be fed by what you are about to give. Because only a fool. Only a greedy person will ask you to give what you don't have in the measure of where you are going if i can give to you where i'm going why do i need to pray for where i'm going how does it make sense you want to live in a one billionaire house give a one billion if i can give it i don't need to pray for you to give it to me i will take the money you are asking me to and go and do what i need to do who stole our brains You must give a seed. Because then you should be asking for a woman who is asking for a fruit of the womb to bring a child. 
as offering. And that's no different from what the Babalaos and the priests are doing. You might as well bring, you might as well bring a, a child and drop it at the altar. And say, this is my seed. So I can receive my own seed. My own fruit of it. These are, are quasi practices. They are not of God. Not of God. And we have to call them out for what they are, regardless of whose ox is God. We have to. We're not trying to go after anybody. We're not trying to go after any man of God. We're going after practices that have corrupted the church. And if that practice has your name on it, well, woe betide you. Woe betide you. They're not of God. Because he gave his best freely. And along with his best, he freely gives you how many things? Is, is he all things excluding a child? Second Peter 1, 2 and 3. It's 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's, yeah, go on, go on. As he's, okay, let's, let's pick it up from verse 2. I'm just trying to pick the thought straight here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as... His divine power, first of all, past tense, has given us how many things, sir, that pertain to life and godliness. How did he give us? Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Look the same verse in the TPT. He has given you how many things? All things, freely. May, may grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Everything. Everything. Put the message up. Put the message up. Grace and peace be to you many times over as you deep, deepen in your experience with God and Jesus, our master. Verse 3. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who has invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. Everything. Uh, Ephesians 1. We need verse 3. Go from verse 1. Ephesians 1, 1. We need verse 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, but the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Again, you see the same language. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that are located in Christ. So at what point does the New Testament believer get to be scammed to believe that they must give something to receive what God has already freely given? Oh, but Pav, if you preach this thing, they will not give. Let them not give. Rather than take from them for a fee what Christ has given them for free. Don't take from, the, from them for a fee. Something for which Christ has given them for free. If it's for free, there's no fee. And give them a similar business plan and that because it's tested and proven. And let them go and do the same, except if you're lying about how you're making your money. 
Because if you start a spare part money with business with 10,000 and you have come this far, give somebody else 10,000, tell him how far you have come. Let him do the same business. He, he should get the same result. Or you're lying. And you and your tithe and your offering are an abomination to the church. We have to set this record straight. Be clapping. Pastor be feeling like a star because there's one person that whenever he has a need, the one person can just say, Pastor, don't worry, I'm writing it down. I take it. I got it. It's a poor church. And it's a stupid, selfish fellow. Because we have not so learned Christ. No one had anything of his own. You see the same thing again in Acts chapter 4. We'll see that in a minute. Because that's not the church. That's not the, the church is that all of us are safe. To the measure that all of us are naked. Did you hear me? We cannot speak for somebody from another clan. But in our clan, all of us are naked and all of us are safe. Or else there's witches among us. And I've been teaching this thing for years. The fact that it's not there yet doesn't mean we should settle for what it is now. The fact that it's not there yet doesn't mean we should settle for what it is now. Continue to stretch until we enter that day of the Lord. Continue to stretch. It's not giving, it's not transaction, it's not convenience. It's us putting ourselves out there. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Are you getting this? Acts chapter 4, I need 32 to 35. Now, the multitude emphasis on multitude. There were not a few dozen people. That you say, okay, it was easy to manage them because they were few. Multitude of those who believed. Don't forget that from Acts chapter 2, the first gospel that was preached to the Gentiles, 3,000 men, besides women and children, believed. And scripture says, and the Lord added to them daily, such as were being saved. So mega church is not something that is making God afraid. And the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say. The multitude of the reason why Ananias and Sapphira's story stood out was because they were the oddity. Do you understand? They were the rarity. Everybody was like this except these two. That's why their story is there. If everybody was of one hand, there was no exception, we would not have heard any single person told single stories, single doubt, as it were. It gives a few examples of people who were doing what the multitude was doing, and then he singles out this one who decided to look the other way. Start the verse again. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. As a result of one heart, one soul. Nobody thinking that what they had was theirs exclusively. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land. Anybody that had money. 100 million. Are you following me now? Anyone who was possessors of lands or houses. Sold them as, had, as they had need. We see that in Acts chapter 2. And brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles feet. And that doesn't mean physically brought them into the custody of the apostles. Or does that make sense? Bring, brought them subject to the apostles. And they, go on, distributed, the apostles distributed to each as anyone had need. No checking your tithe card to see your record of tithe giving. 
Because it's not a transaction. It's not two-sided. Give, I give. Acts 11, 27 to 30. Acts eleven twenty seven, And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. See how prophets operated then. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did. They didn't just pledge. They did. They carried it out. And sent it to the elders, presbyters, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Let's see it again in the TPT. Those prophets in the church of Jerusalem, and some of them came to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and prophesied by the Holy Spirit that a severe famine was about to come over Israel. This prophecy was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius Caesar. So they determined that each believer, according to his or her ability, will give an offering to send as relief to the brothers living in Judea. Stay here. They determined that each believer, somebody say each believer. So when we are, when we are giving as believers in, in, in the same local church, each believer should give, if you have understanding. Each, in other words, there should be no time where a giving exercise is going on that each believer was not involved as you are able, according, go on, to his or her ability. And I've taught you the place a few weeks ago of going beyond your ability, as we saw in the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8. Each one, they, each one, they agreed, each believer would give an offering to send as relief to the brothers living in Judea. Now, they didn't just determine. They actually set aside the gifts. And entrusted the funds to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church. So it wasn't just a desire to give. It was an action of giving. And this action came from each believer. Each believer. Because you see, giving, once you understand that it's for the benefit of the recipient beyond the cost to the giver. There's no time you will not be able to give if you're willing to deprive yourself of something. Once you are willing to deprive yourself of something, you will never lack something to give. Ever. Ever. Slash your 100 naira airtime to 50 naira, you will give something. Slash your everyday Fanta or yogurt by one, you will give something. Reduce your data for one week from 6 gigs to 4.5 gig, you will give something. Decide to go out less on a particular day. Indulge less on a particular day. You will always have something to give. No responsible son of God believer will say, I don't have. To the point where you're even known in the church as sister don't have. Because you see, while everybody else is cruising in grace, you will struggle because you have taken the posture of one that doesn't have. And you see, some of us will always have to give you. Oh, yes. No, me. I don't have a problem being the one among us who is always giving you. Because you see, what that means is I will always have all sufficiency to abound unto every good work. And it's okay that you are the one who is just collecting. It's okay. But you will live all of your earthly life on the receiving end of what somebody has to give 
You'll be married with children and you are looking to receive. Because it's a posture you have decided to adapt. You are sat with Christ in heavenly places, but in the earth you are a pauper. Because where you are sat in heaven, you are sat positionally. In the earth, you will suffer conditionally. Because it takes complete obedience to God's word for your position and your condition to align. It is not going to threaten your position if you don't obey. Because your position is not a function of your obedience. (laughs) Your position in heaven, in God, in Christ is a function of the obedience of Jesus. The one man, Romans 5. As by the disobedience of one man, many fell. Also by the obedience of one man, many are made righteous. So your position is a function of the obedience of Jesus. Just as your position as a fallen person was a function of the disobedience of Adam. Is it clear? So your position is sacrosanct. Nothing is going to touch your position. Now, your condition in the earth, the measure that it aligns to your position is up to you. So positionally, we are all joint heirs and all grace mates. Conditionally, oh boy. So there are some levels of benefits and access in the earth that some people will never walk into. Conditionally. And that's up to you to determine. But me, I will always have to give. Always, oh, there are times when I will always have to give. I will never refrain from giving. Ever. And then watch what continues to happen to me. Needs in the church are met by giving. Needs in the church are met by giving. Needs in the church are met by giving. Let's look at First John. It's an interesting scripture as well. It's a scripture that is a scripture that you will not forget because of the reference. We all know John three sixteen. Now let's look at First John three sixteen, and this is also a scripture that you need to memorize. By this we know love. Look at the parallel is crazy. John 3.16 and and 1 John 3.16. The parallel is actually very spooky. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Now if this is not John 3.16 then what is? By this we know love that because he laid his life for us. And see now where you come in. Because then you were an unbeliever. Now you are a believer. You have some laying down to do. He laid down his life for us. Now we have come in. We have his life laid down for the brethren. He didn't say she lay your life down for Jesus. I live unto Jesus. Me is just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus, you are a witch. It's only selfish people, rebellious people that can be saved by the blood of Jesus and take a stand that makes only you to be important. Where did you get it from? So I'm not saying witch so you can laugh. I'm, not, I'm, I'm serious. I say with every iota of seriousness. I'm not saying so you can laugh. 
Where did we get it from? You, you and me and Jesus. Just me, I'm bouncing in the Lord. I am bouncing in the Lord. Amen. Bouncing. Just me, me and the Lord. Anybody else fall down, die. Crush anybody that is not. Father, remove everybody. Any voice, any feet that's going to trek. Break their legs. Who, who, who taught you that? Are you the only one the cross died to pay us your sins? So you're the only one the blood of Jesus speaks for. For everybody else you should speak against. And, and, and then I call you a witch and you're offended. Because it's witchcraft. It's rebellion. That's not the spirit of Christ. Everybody around you is disposable. Only you because you and Jesus. Who taught you that gospel? I don't care if nobody likes me. I don't care if nobody talks to me. I don't care if nobody visits me. I don't care if nobody minds me. I don't care whoever you are the problem. Because you ought to lay your life down for the saints. Go and listen to Johnny through Romans 14. Romans 12. Go and listen to that. Don't just get up and say, me and Jesus, I'm, I'm sanctified, I'm purified, I'm justified. That's what sometimes I told you, I said, it's not in talking. Because you can't be, that's how you can be floating in your own Jesus bubble. And it's demonic. You can be floating in your own bubble, me and the Lord. I'm safe, me and Jesus loves me. I'm safe and secure in the Father's love. How are you supposed to respond to the Father's love by your love for me? There's no place where we are told to respond to the love of Jesus by loving him back. The parallel of the responsibility of a believer to God's love is to love me. To love your brother. He doesn't need, Jesus doesn't need your love. What would he do with it? He doesn't need your love. Everything is hinged, is upheld and complete in his love for you. It's a complete cycle. It's not your loving God back. Because if you're loving God back, guess what it has become? Transactional. So he doesn't chase you around telling you to love him. He doesn't. He doesn't need it. We do. So you, walking around and saying, no, I don't care about the children. Me and Jesus. Oh, Lord, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. You know, you see why you're walking in rebellion? Because we are laying down our lives for one another. I don't have to like it to do it. I realize that kingdom obligates me to do it. And then your preference will take a back seat for me. And by grand design, my preference will take a back seat for you. That's when we start to begin to look like Ecclesia. And move away from Kuriakos. That's when we start to look like the church of the firstborn. Not the church of the Nicene Council. Not the church of the Chalcedon Council. Not the church of creeds and debates on human doctrines. Not the church of liturgies and clergy and laymen. Not the church of sectarianism and denominationalism. But the church of the firstborn. Because then we're looking at the firstborn. The pattern son. And we are following our lives according to his pattern. Not the pattern of any man. No matter how important and self-inflated they may have become. Are you learning anything? And when you understand this, then money becomes the, the most easy thing you can part with. Money, money. Money is a servant. It's a servant. Money comes, you tell money how to come. You tell it where to go. 
you begin to rule money and you start from your 1,000 now that looks like 1 million to you. You start and tell the money who's the boss. Tell the money you don't control me. I control you. Control you. Some of you get an alert 50k, you can't think straight. You're, you're messed up. Money. You're all over the place. You are the master of it. The master of it. Money leaves your account. You're like, ah! Oh, debit alert. Oh, that one though is too nice. What happened to you? Oh, brother, money left my account. Did somebody steal? No, I spent it. Why are you angry? Do you understand? It's not like somebody stole the money. You bought something. You paid for something and you are still spending it. Like you are still shook. No, we have, we have mastery over material things. We have mastery. We control material things. We control mammon. We control money. We direct it where it needs to go. And then we rise thereby in the earth conditionally in alignment with our position in Christ. Have you learned anything tonight? Give him praise. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.